BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One million Wisconsinites already requested absentee ballots. We might not know the results for the upcoming presidential election for nearly a week. Just today, a federal judge ruled that absentee ballots in Wisconsin can be counted up to six days after the November 3rd election. The Wisconsin Elections Commission was deadlocked to put them on the ballot. The Green Party appealed to the state Supreme Court. But Monday's decision means they won't be on the ballot. It's incredibly disappointing and a huge blow for democracy in general. Wisconsin's election headlines keep changing. What's going on and what do you need to know to make sure your vote counts on Election Day? From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Amanda. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd. We are 42 days away from Election Day. And that means at least 42 more days of pretty much nonstop work for Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi, who is here with us again this morning. Hi, Jason. We were just talking about how it's it's not just 42 more days, right? Because when Election Day gets here, it's only going to ramp up. Uh, This is an unusual year. It's going to, yeah, it's going to keep going on. And at least yesterday we found out that this is going to go on for six more days. And we'll get into that in a second, but a federal judge has ruled that absentee ballots that are postmarked on Election Day can be counted by the clerk's six days after election day. So we, we may not know who wins this thing on, we're probably not going to know who wins this thing on election night. That's probably a good place for us to start, Jason, because that's the most recent election news in Wisconsin. So can you tell us a little bit about that ruling and just practically what it means for us here? Right. So, you know, there's been, and this is, we saw this in April as well, the same judge, uh, U.S. District Judge William Connolly, is is ruling on election lawsuits brought forward by various groups and um you know one of the one of the questions is is you know you have a right to vote right and so if somebody votes and then puts their absentee ballot in the mail and it doesn't arrive on election day then is that person being disenfranchised right is that is that taking away their rights to vote when we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're in the midst of uh, where you've got over right now, over a million people have requested absentee ballots in the Badger State and election officials are expecting maybe that number will double, that there'll be maybe two million people voting by absentee ballot in Wisconsin. You know, because of the pandemic, this is this is historical numbers of people voting by absentee ballot. And uh, with delays in the Postal Service and, and the like, and what we also saw in April where uh, ballots did come in late uh, that were postmarked on election day. So the, what they're doing here is they're saying anything that is the, the judge Connolly at least is saying anything that's postmarked by election day can be counted by the clerks as long as it gets into their office within six days from election day. Now, of course, this will be appealed more more than likely, and so he is saying that you know for right now this is not that his ruling. This is his ruling, but it will be on hold until you know for for the next week so that. 
uh, will allow some of these other groups if they want to possibly to to appeal this and go forward with a higher with a higher level of uh, oversight by the courts. And that is just one of the factors that make this such an unusual year because there may not be a, a, an enormous number of these sort of late arriving ballots enough to really swing. Uh, make a difference unless you have a very, very close race. But uh, in in years past, we've had, obviously, well, you've got the AP and others calling elections on election night based on exit polls and other information. And as things come in, we start to get an idea, okay, we see enough from this district or this state or or whatever it may be to call it. It seems like this is a year where we're not going to be hearing much of anything called right away? Or will some of the smaller races be called, but we'll be waiting on the bigger things? I get, I, it seems like so much in that regard, Jason, is still up in the air. That, no, it really is. And I know the uh, the Secretary of State in Michigan, one of our neighboring battleground states, um, she was suggesting that this was going to be an election week that, you know, she, in Michigan at least, in that key battleground state, they weren't, they weren't probably not going to have election results the day of, but maybe days or maybe even the week of election within within a week of the election. So, I mean, there is a sense amongst clerks that this is possibly because of just the the flood of absentee balloting that takes longer to process. There's a whole there's whole steps that go into to the processing of these absentee ballots and checking signatures and witnesses and, and addresses and things like that. So um, Michigan was suggesting this may be an election week. And I've been asking, we've been trying to get answers recently with with our local officials about how how long they think it's going to take the process. And before Judge Connolly ruled um, in Milwaukee, they were suggesting that they were going to be able to count all those absentee ballots the middle of the night. So looking at, you know, early morning on Wednesday, that they may know where where Milwaukee where the Milwaukee results went. That was before Connolly's decision. Now, of course, Connolly's decision puts a wrench in that. And if if, if there's no if, if the appeals courts allow this to stand, then we won't really know uh, where all these absentee ballots go until uh, until uh, you know six days later. And one of the key issues that you really have to focus on here when you're looking at the numbers and when you're looking at election results is if you look at the latest Marquette poll. Uh, it shows that 58% of those who plan to vote in person uh, plan to vote for President Donald Trump in Wisconsin. And if you look at those who say, hey, I'm going to plan to vote by absentee ballot in the state of Wisconsin, 68% of them say they're going to vote for Joe Biden. So you can see if we're getting early results on election night, it may it may definitely look very strongly like President Trump is you know, overwhelmingly carrying the state. 58% of those voting election day say they're going to vote for Trump. And uh, but then once you start tallying the slower processing absentee ballots that are going to be coming in for the next six days, I mean, could that conceivably then take away or chip into President Trump's lead on election day? These these are all the questions that election clerks and officials are going to need to wrestle with the media as well. We're going to need to, to look at this and what that means, because those numbers on election day are going to probably show President Trump ahead, but that if, if the polls, if Marquette's poll is right here, that 58% of people voting on election day are voting for Trump, and then of course all these absentee ballots, if those people, 68% of them, are actually going to vote for Biden, then that really uh, brings a lot of confusion on election day. Jason, you mentioned the election clerks a couple times, and it, it is a really interesting time to be a clerk in Wisconsin right now. They've kind of been on their toes lately. There have been a lot of fights over who's going to get on the ballot and questions about when absentee ballots can get sent out. So can you take us through some of the the drama that's been going on with that, specifically with the, um, the fight over Kanye being on the ballot and then the Green Party? Sure. So I'll start with the with the Green Party. The Green Party's uh, nominee is Howie Hawkins. So they appealed right to the state Supreme Court. 
And what what happened there was uh, with Wisconsin Elections Commission was deadlocked three to three on the Hawkins campaign's uh, signatures to get on the ballot. There was a discrepancy with Angela Walker. She's the vice presidential nominee for the Green Party. And in the middle of the getting signatures to get on Wisconsin's ballot, the, the campaign says that she actually moved. So on the nomination papers, there's an address where the presidential nominee and the vice presidential nominee live. And so you have forms that were turned into the Wisconsin Elections Commission that had two addresses for, for Angela Walker, who, by the way, is a, a Milwaukee native herself. Uh, now she doesn't, she doesn't live in the state. But uh, so there was two addresses. And so the Wisconsin Elections Commission, there was a challenge issued that, that tried to you know, challenge us. The Wisconsin Elections Commission's voted and they were deadlocked three to three whether to confirm that those signatures were correct or, or valid. So long story short, Wisconsin Elections Commission's deadlocked uh, decision meant that uh, that the Hawkins, uh, the Green Party was not put on Wisconsin's ballot. Now, why is that so important? Well, if you look at 2016, the Green Party nominee, Jill Stein, she won roughly 1% of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and you can see that in a lot of ways, the Green Party has a very progressive agenda. Some of the things they support is Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, some things that you might hear from, from more progressive Democrats. Uh, on the campaign trail. So there is a sense that maybe the Green Party could take away votes from Joe Biden. And when every single vote counts, when President Trump won the state by only 23,000, fewer than 23,000 votes in 2016, you can see how important looking at the Green Party's uh, case was uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Now, the Supreme, Wisconsin Supreme Court did actually decide uh, and, and rule uh, against the Green Party. So the Green Party will not be on the ballot here in Wisconsin uh, this fall. And you wouldn't expect that the Green Party, if they are authentically uh, uh, people who believe in the platform that we know the Green Party to believe in uh, or to espouse, you wouldn't expect they would be trying to get on the ballot in to intentionally manipulate the election in favor of President Trump. But same questions might not be said of Kanye West, because we know that Kanye West has had some... Uh, uh, some praise and some close uh, uh, affiliations with President Trump until he decided to put himself or try to run for president and, and announce his candidacy and then said that uh, he and, and Trump were on the outs. But but the fight to try to put Kanye West on the ballot doesn't sound like that uh, went over so well. Here. Right. And so that was decided. That was yeah, that was decided uh, in a lower court in Wisconsin. And uh, what happened there was Kanye West, his signatures came in. 14 seconds late into the Wisconsin, they, 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 you know, they put a stamp uh, on his papers when they were delivered at the Wisconsin Elections Commission. The door was locked, but uh, they went upstairs, they got their paperwork stamped, and it was stamped uh, after five o'clock. Now, state law says that the you know, petitions to get on the ballot needed to be in at five o'clock. So the question was, well, does that mean five o'clock or does that mean five o'clock in 99 seconds? Uh, or not 99 seconds, 59 seconds, right? Um, and uh, and so the judge ruling on that said, no, it means five zero 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 on your clock. Um, and so he was he was 14 seconds late. He's not getting on the ballot. Um, that was that was his ruling. And uh, and right now that means the Green Party and Kanye West, which is the birthday party, will not be on the ballot. There was a sense that he could conceivably take away votes. Um, if you look again at 2016, keep going back to 2016 because it was such a crucial election year. Um, you saw uh, in, in Milwaukee, 40,000 less fewer people voted in the city of Milwaukee. And if you look at, well, where were those, pe those 
less those fewer voters residing, they were in um, voting districts in the city that were heavily African-American communities. So you can see there was a less African-American turnout in 2016. And President Trump, of course, won the state by fewer than 23,000 votes. You see every vote counts. And there was a sense that Kanye West could conceivably take away votes in the African-American community and then therefore help President Trump win this battleground state. So we see the, the Netflix documentary, the, the, the new Kanye rockumentary, uh, Kanye 14 Seconds Late. That's that's coming up next year. <laughs> that's right. And one of his records, right, is uh, one of his CDs was... Uh, called late registration, right? So yeah, this is his thing. Life imitating art. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, we care about this because we're in Wisconsin, but these issues have made national news because of Wisconsin's position in this election. Because, I mean, conceivably, whoever wins Wisconsin could win the presidency, right? That's right. Yeah. So this is seen by both campaigns as one of the top states in in the country. When you look at what's what's a toss up, what's not, you know, there's states that are leaning Republican, there's states that are leaning Democrats, there are states that are, you know, more than likely going to be Republican, more states that are going to more than likely be Democratic states. But you look at those actual toss up states and there's only a few of them. Wisconsin is one of them. So when you look at the um, uh, University of Virginia, they have something called the crystal ball, Sabato's crystal ball. And they they rate the, the various um, you know states and where they think they're going to fall. And if you look at their most recent projections, Wisconsin was one of four toss up states as well as Arizona, N- North Carolina and Florida. Jason, it strikes me from what we talked about earlier, what you talked about earlier with the way the uh, vote stacks up in terms of Republicans or those who support President Trump largely saying they're going to vote on Election Day versus those who support uh, uh, Biden saying they're going to vote mail-in or have already done so, uh, that as you see those numbers coming on Election Day, if it does indeed look like President Trump has a sizable lead, and then in the ensuing days as those mail-in ballots and absentee ballots are counted, things swing, it also seems like we've heard the president sort of set things up in terms of questioning the veracity of those mail-in ballots. And it seems like it sets things up for the the, the whole, you know, finger. I'm using finger quotes here for those listening to the podcast, the election was stolen type of challenges. It, it, it almost looks like if if President Trump were to lead on election night and then the things swing the way it looks like they very well might just because of the way people say they're going to be voting, that it sort of sets that argument up to be one that looks like it's come true. Well, and going off that, Brian, even on the radio the other day, I heard someone talking about um, 2018 in Milwaukee when we had a, a slew of ballots that were counted late night uh, because of the way the process was working and and the way this person on the radio worded it was well and those late ballots change the results well no those were the results but certainly as you're getting ballots counted later i think the public perception can be that the results were changed well i remember that night well because i was there at city hall literally trying to confront the, the head of the, uh, the the election commission at the time as to what happened with these late arriving ballots because they did swing the numbers and and that was not expected. I mean, I think at least here we know going in, we're going to, going to expect something like this to happen because there's such a heavy emphasis on mail-in. But you're right, Amanda, that was, it, it didn't actually change the results of people's votes, but it changed the count that night. And it looked 
for much of that night like it was going toward Governor Walker's reelection. And then uh, that, that late swing of ballots uh, swung it back to now, of course, we have Governor Tony Evers. So uh, that's a, just a microcosm, I suppose, of what we we may see here on Election Day in 2020. Right. And in just in just one story, I was at former Vice President Joe Biden yesterday. Uh, was visiting, was campaigning in, in this battleground state of Wisconsin, and, and I was out there. Um, and you, you saw, you know, saw, you know, groups of people, you know, hundreds of people there supporting Joe Biden, hundreds of people supporting Donald Trump with flags and signs and chants and things like that. Um, and and what was interesting was talking to several of the Republicans there. Um, they they did bring up this this issue, and I said, well, who do you think is going to win this state? And they said, well, if everything goes, you know correctly, you know, pretty much they, they, they think President Trump's going to win, but they were bringing up the worry that some some fishy business was going to happen with the absentee ballot. So that is something we've heard several times now from Republicans, grassroots supporters of the president here in Wisconsin. So that issue is at least resonating with some of the grassroots here in Wisconsin. Well, I think there's some something to that from the average person maybe who doesn't follow politics closely, who doesn't follow elections closely. This is different. And I think for people who are used to, especially older voters, I imagine, who all their lives have voted in person at the polls, it's not to say absentee ballots or mail-in ballots are new, but they are they are the exception to the rule, they are exception to the norm. I think for some people this is a change, and so there is a general skepticism of, wait a minute, this process changing, can we trust it? And I think it seems as though President Trump has certainly played into that skepticism or, or discomfort with a new process or what seems to many like a new process, uh, even though we know some states like Ohio have done a lot of mail-in uh, voting for, for many, many years, and it's not really been a concern there. So there's, there's, a, there's a skepticism, there's some questions out there, and I think that we may see uh, some play into that depending on how the results come out on Election Day. Well, and Jason, that makes me wonder, too, if, if someone is voting by mail for the first time, what they need to know. Because I know that one thing that's uh, been an issue that's come up is uh, people not having the correct witness signatures and things like that. So in your reporting, what's uh, popped up as some of the, the big things people need to know to make sure their their vote counts on election day if they are voting by mail? Right. The crucial thing is the clerks are including instructions with, with your absentee ballots, um, which you know state law required them to be mailed out uh, last week. Um, and so there was those that were requested, there was more than a million that were requested at the time and those were required to be sent out already. So you should be looking in your mailbox. If you've already requested them, it should be arriving soon if they haven't already. And there should be some instructions there from your clerk. Um, so make sure you read that, maybe read it twice, read, read it like this is a, a test for, for school because, you know, remember, you know, if you didn't have the correct date or you didn't have your, your you know, follow the directions correctly, your, your vote may not count. Um, so it's really important that you follow those instructions and, and on the envelope that you're going to put your ballot in, you'll need to sign. You'll need to also have that witness signature and the address. So all three of those things need to be there for your ballot to count. And there were troubles in April. Some of the clerks tried to reach out to the voters to, to get them to, to fix some of these, these problems. But the key message for everybody listening right now is just follow the instructions, read through it once, twice. This is, you know, once every four years you get to vote for president, make your vote count, follow those directions. Jason, I'd be remiss if we had a podcast this week and we did not talk about uh, what everyone in the country has been talking about this week. Obviously, the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the firestorm that has set off over what to do about her replacement. Should 
the president nominate should the Senate uh, hold hearings and, and uh, vote whether or not to confirm a nominee in 2020 before the installation of a new president, or should they wait and let the winner of the November 3rd contest uh, make that decision, and then whoever the the you know controls the Senate at that point make that decision. That's been obviously the talk all over America. And uh, Marquette actually made some national news because they just happened to conduct a poll that asked this question as to whether or not uh, there should be hearings held and a nomination confirmed in 2020. But they asked it three days before the death of Justice Ginsburg. They didn't know it was going to happen uh, three days later. And at that time, interestingly enough, a majority of voters from both parties who were part of this Marquette poll said they supported the idea of uh, having confirmation hearings uh, in 2020 with the the you know the, the current uh, administration. However, and, and we don't know how those questions were necessarily worded, but we know that poll got some play in the Hill. It got some play in the New York Post. Um, but I'm sure a few days later, those results probably changed quite dramatically. In fact, we've seen that in some other national polls, um, Jason. But it, it seems like the uh, the idea that both parties right now would support uh, President Trump nominating and the Senate confirming uh, before the year is out, uh, that seems to be a, a highly questionable conclusion. That's right. Yeah. So right now, you know, Republicans are still pushing forward with uh, with with having a vote um, this fall. So you heard um the Senate Judiciary Chairman, Senator Graham, Lindsey Graham, was on Fox last night, and he said they they actually he he was saying they have the votes to move forward. Uh, there are two Republicans, uh, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, who you know were against moving forward. But uh, Republic, it's going to take four. It's going to take four Republicans that are against moving forward to then have the votes needed to sort of block this from from block a confirmation here uh, for, for Republicans. So because Republicans have, uh, you know, the majority of the Senate, it's going to take four Republicans to block this from moving forward. Right now, there's two that are against. Lindsey Graham, chairman of the Judiciary Committee last night, said they have they have the votes to move forward. But we don't even know who the nominee is. President Trump yesterday said he hopes to to make his, uh, his announcement Saturday, maybe Friday, but, but likely Saturday of this week. Um, and so there's a lot of speculation he is suggesting that it will be a woman candidate. He's got several on his list. Um, you know, he's been putting out these lists since his election in 2016, which was really crucial in easing some worries that conservatives had back in 2016 about pre- a President Trump, uh, uh, Donald Trump presidency. And he put out this this list that had a lot of judges and, and legal scholars that conservatives really respected. People like uh, Gorsuch, who went on to become Supreme Court justice. And then, of course, later in 2017, they added Brett Kavanaugh to that list and Brett Kavanaugh became, uh, you know, Supreme Court justice as well. So a lot of a lot of help there with winning over conservatives with with President Trump's list in 2016 and his future list in 2017. Um, So it seems like right now Republicans are going to move forward. Once that nominee is is uh, once that announcement is made this Saturday, they look like they have the votes. But they are going to be meeting today in a conference um, lunch to to talk about the Supreme Court and to kind of figure out how this is all going to play out electorally. You know, there's a lot of very vulnerable Republicans up for votes this fall, and so you know, you, you the, those re, those vulnerable Republicans need the conservative Trump base to to win their states but at the same time they also need the moderates in their states so you're looking at these polls like what Marquette had finding that 
at least before Ginsburg's death, uh, you know, 63% of Democrats said, yeah, go ahead and have a, a hearing if, if there is a vacancy on a Supreme Court uh, uh, justice. 68% of Republicans said hold the hearings as well. So that was before the death. And then afterwards, we saw uh, Reuters had a poll out, right? And, and those numbers sort of um, really trickled off. Now that there's actually a real vacancy on the Supreme Court, the poll from Reuters found that 62% of Americans said that the vacancy should be filled by the winner of the November 3rd matchup. And that's what you're hearing from Democrats, that this this should wait until, um, you know, until allow the American people to have a voice in the election. So that's what Democrats are saying right now. But it looks like Republicans are going to move forward. And what does that mean for all these vulnerable Senate seats? That's an open question. What does this all mean for President Trump's reelection versus uh, Joe Biden? That's all still an open question because, again, it's going to rile up a conservative base that Trump needs to win. But is it what is it going to do for the moderates and independents? That's all still an open question. Very uh, tricky questions to be asked, but something that, of course, we will be looking at for the next 42 days. Well, and if a nomination and confirmation ends up going through before the election, I wonder how that will play out as an election strategy. Because one thing that we've seen from both parties is, you know, one thing that you see circulating on social media a lot is don't think about voting for the candidate. You are voting for the Supreme Court and both sides have played that strategy. So then if a nomination and confirmation happens before Election Day, you know, I wonder what that then does to that strategy and which party that ends up hurting more. Well, and I, I think we, uh, we're we already hearing from some on the uh, Republican side saying, you know, uh, uh, candidate Biden has not released his list of candidates. One thing that that uh, that Donald Trump did before he be, was elected president in 2016, because he had a lot of conservatives who were concerned that his conservative credentials weren't authentic, that he was going to be a squishy conservative because he'd had a lot of friendships. There were the photos of him with the Clintons that maybe he wasn't going to be a real conservative. So he put out a very conservative list of judges, and that impressed a lot of conservatives as one of the things that some credit for him swinging some people his way who were not so sure about uh, candidate Trump, now President Trump. And, and we haven't seen a list of potential Supreme Court nominees from Joe Biden. He said he's not going to release them, but would uh, uh, releasing those give his voters something maybe to, to seize on to? Uh, we don't know. What we do know is this. Whoever, uh, if, if he were to become President Biden, would nominate is going to be someone who is far more to the left than we would expect from President Trump. And in the end, uh, for so many right now, that's what this is all about, is the way the court swings. Because if President Trump gets a nomination through before the end of, of this year, uh, then the court is going to take a pretty hard swing even further to the right. And you, we're already hearing all the discussions, concerns of whether that person will be someone who is openly hostile to Roe versus Wade. And that is the ultimate uh, prize right now for some and the ultimate concern for others. So this is going to be a hotly contested issue. I, I, we just got through the Kavanaugh hearings, which were dramatic and, and some might call them a circus. Uh, from the standpoint of Supreme Court hearings, um, other than maybe uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, I don't know that we remember anything quite like it. Uh, I've got to imagine any hearings on this nominee, they may not be the quite, quite the same topic. They may not revolve around Me Too, but uh, they're going to be hotly contested. It's, uh, it's not going to be uh, a, uh, a quiet process, I would say that. That's correct. It, it's, gonna, it's, going to be, it's going to be so intense and the rhetoric is going to be so high. And I, I was there for both 
of the confirmation hearings under this presidency. And I was there for Merrick Garland, too, which was uh, President Obama's pick in 2016, uh, which he did not get a hearing and he didn't get a vote in 2016. That's a whole other story we can go into later. But uh, yeah, these these hearings are going to be so intense. The rhetoric is going to be so high because both sides really do see so much on the line. And, and you'd mentioned Roe v. Wade. I mean, both sides would agree. I mean, whether you're talking to the Republicans or the Democrats, they, they would agree that this is on the line. You see somebody like uh, Senator Josh Hawley, who's the Republican senator from one of the Republican senators from Missouri, uh, bringing up, uh, you know, how important that was and, and worried that there wasn't enough information about one of the nominee, uh, one of the potential nominees. Uh, and so, you know, that could swing things and, and help uh, the president pick another another candidate. Uh, which I have speculation about who that's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett, who's on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago. She's from Notre Dame, uh, was from a Notre Dame Law School professor. She's a mother of seven. She's adopted uh, several from, uh, from I think Haiti. And um, I think that uh, you know Republicans I've been talking to really think that she's going to be the one that they're going to pick because they they also think it would maybe help in the suburbs and help with with uh, winning suburban moms over. So we'll see. That's all. That's all part of the calculation here as they're as they're looking to uh, to find uh, the right person uh, for the Republicans here on the Supreme Court vacancy. Bottom line: one thing is clear: the stakes have only been heightened for the 2020 election. And of course, we're going to uh, let you go, Jason, because we know you have a lot of work to do. That's always the case, but we appreciate so much you coming on and spending your time with us here on Open Record. Thank you for, for joining us, and we look forward to having you on again. Okay, thank you so much. All right, we're going to continue bringing you these twice-weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic, the 2020 election, and so much more. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or an issue you think we should investigate, send your emails to fox 6 Investigators at fox.com. That's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and for Brian Polson, we will be back on Thursday. Thursday.